This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. You're listening to Trek FM. Earl Grey Hot. Hello and welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your returning host, Richard Marquez, and joined with me today... For a very long time, we haven't talked to each other in a while, <laughs> is the amazing Amy Nelson and the awesome Justin Ozer. How are you guys doing today? We are doing great. So glad to be back. And I am super excited, as I always am, coming and talking with you guys about Next Generation. I really just love it. So thank you. I'm doing great. Yeah, I think it's been about a month since we've recorded together. Wow. So I mean, it's we've good to talked. have you back. Well, I know, I know, I know <laughs> yeah. we've talked, but not on an Earl Grey episode. Right. And since you were last here, there was all the Picard series news. I assume you were excited by that. I most certainly am. I <laughs> am most certainly. So just just to let you guys know, I, I when I heard about the news, you know, the talks, so to speak, I wasn't trying to be excited and get caught up with it and everything. Granted, I was excited about it, um, but like when it became official that's when it, i went full on board which is great you know at least they're you know they're, it's in i guess product not really production but in they haven't written any scripts yet but yeah. it's, it's gonna happen it seems like exactly Patrick Stewart so, goes out there and says it is because <laughs> i mean you know with all our fandom and all that kind of stuff we've always we've been let down set before and i didn't want to you know, be let down again. So I'm no. glad that it's happening. Wise. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to get my hopes up either. But then when it happened, oh, you should have seen us. Oh, Wish I'm you were sure. There, Richard. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So we're all caught up on the Babel Conference feedback as of this recording. So let us go right into the discussion to, uh, to our favorite character moments for season seven. I am very excited because this was very difficult for me to go through this and choose a favorite because obviously this is the last season and you know so it's it's tying all the t- uh, it's tying all the ties together and i'm very interested in what you guys pick so why don't we start off with amy okay um this was very difficult and i know i say that every time we all say that every time but season <laughs> seven um yeah, it's tying up those loose ends. We are getting so much character development. Um, and it's interesting, you'll see in my picks, and maybe you'll see this theme when I get to my third pick, because they I am going in order. Um, and it's it will come up to my third pick, and, and you'll see why I've chosen what I've chosen. But 
one thing that I love uh, in liaisons is Wharf. And through our lovely six seasons and going into season seven, I find Wharf plays the best annoyed Wharf. I think he is so brilliant. His timing, his comedic timing when he is annoyed just is exemplified in liaisons. And there were so many times. So this liaisons, listeners, is when the, uh, well, the liaisons come on board and they're trying to identify specific characteristics or emotions within humans because they're trying to learn about us. And so the one who gets uh, paired with Worf, he's the one who's trying to understand, what would you say? Understand? Anger. Yeah, anger. Yeah, or frustration, yeah. something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, hatred, or yeah, not that hard. But and so it's so funny because Worf starts complaining about his liaison, this Iaron, and he's like, "My ambassador guy, he is temperamental, demanding, and rude." And then Data says, "Well, you share all of those qualities in abundance." <laughs> Oh my yeah. gosh, so funny. And Worf is just complaining. He gets so annoyed. Um, and like he's showing him around in engineering and the liaison asks, uh, are you as smart? Are you smarter than this one? And like Worf's <laughs> face is just like beyond the best. He shows the best annoyance in this. And I just think that seeing that, especially from what we've seen in the previous seasons, really wraps up sort of a classic wharf and so many memes can come out of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, that's, that's a really great pick because throughout the episode, this guy Byleth, Ambassador Byleth, just keeps needling him. I want to actually read something else. So, you know, Worf is accusing this ambassador of, of cheating at, at poker and Byleth says, even if I were cheating, how would a plotting animal like you know it? And Worf says, you are an insulting, pompous fool. And if you were not an ambassador, I would disembowel you right here. And Byleth says, do not let my title inhibit you, Klingon. <laughs> like, really try to, like, push him to the yes. limit. Like, where if this was a Klingon ship, he would be dead already, right? <laughs> like, and Worf has to have, like, all of his restraint for that. Yep. But it's it's hilarious. And it's so many great moments. Although, you know, of course, these people are... In their culture, I guess they have this deception, like they're really like this, but they're like, oh, no, we just want to see how you how you react to these things and what these emotions are. And thank you. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. A field examination, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're kind of like lab animals. Like if I poke them this way, then what is the stimulus reaction? You know, they're <laughs> it's really something. Right. Yeah. yeah. And- and Worf even gets annoyed. I mean, just right from the opener, like he's trying to tie his sash <laughs> for the, and he's just so annoyed. He can't get it right. And is complaining to Riker, you know, this feels like a dress, you know, and it's just classic Worf being annoyed at everything. And I think that is a mm-hmm. great character moment <laughs> all in one big episode. Yeah, and it's something that really builds on what you've seen of Worf the previous six seasons. You couldn't have had that in like the first episode because you don't yeah, really know much about know. him. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and as you've been watching DS9, I know that you're somewhere through season four. There are some other great Worf moments like that too, where he really gets frustrated and annoyed by stuff. So. Yeah, I've definitely seen that when he first comes on, especially between him and Odo. It's been good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> There's some great stuff. And you'll see more. Okay. So. Awesome. 
Okay. I, I, I absolutely, if I, I might as well just comment on your, on your pick too. I absolutely love that episode. <laughs> I wasn't going to pick that one, but I was like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh, cause yeah, because I, like I was like, one. oh, Richard loves Worf. Am I going to be stepping on any toes? You know, no, 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 no. Well, <laughs> I chose another one, which obviously you probably know already. Um, but like, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> so Justin, why don't you give us your first pick? Well, my first pick comes from an episode that's not my favorite, but there's like a particular part of it that I love. And it comes from Descent Part 2, which is a season seven opener where you see Lore working with the Borg and Hughes there and the Borg resistance and all this stuff. But what I probably enjoy the most about this episode is that you have, you know, Picard and Riker and, and Data like on this planet and Beverly Crusher's in command one of the few times that you see her in command. And I think she does a fantastic job of trying to beam these people off the off the surface, working together with, uh, with the team that she has there, even though they're inexperienced people, because for whatever reason, they've offloaded like half the ship onto the planet. But so they have all these junior people and she's working with them, trying to encourage them and inspire them. And, and, you know, she brings up the metaphasic shielding, which you saw in Suspicions, which is a great callback. And, like, there's so many things that she does where you're like, wow, Beverly Crusher would be a great captain. And, of course, in the alternate future and all good things, we see her as captain of a medical ship. But it seems like she's not only a doctor, but, I mean, presumably she's gotten some command training. And she just does an amazing job in the episode, making sure, you know, they beam the survivors off the planet, try to ward off the Borg, try to do what's necessary to preserve the Enterprise so they can, you know, be able to save the day in this situation. So I I just love that. And I think it's a, a great series of moments for her, probably the most that you really see her in command during the seven seasons. Yeah, I that is a great pick. Because I think with Beverly, we always remember her as you know, the voice for the voiceless and the, her compassion and, you know, wanting to save, you know, the people on the planet or specific people and like her compassion for others obviously is what makes her a great doctor. But what I love about this and what you brought up in Descent Part 2, like she is so logical in these times where she has to be, she's going to make decisions, she's decisive, she's inspiring, she's still, she doesn't lose her humanity when dealing with others and is like, okay, we can do this and this is what we're going to do. A clear plan of action that I think um, allows those who have doubts or are questioning their own skills can just rely on Dr. Crusher to get us through and, and we're going to be okay. I think that is a great character moment for Crusher. Well, one of the things, I mean, okay, I, I'm in the same boat as you, uh, Justin. I'm not really a big fan of Descent. Um, I mean, granted that it was it was a great mashup between um, Lore and you know the Borg, you know, um, as as two opposites of you know chaos and in order. But like, I feel like that it, we finally get to see Crusher move out of that. Um, you know, like 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 let's oh, what is that episode? I'm gonna is it Haven? Uh, what For, is the one where they basically were naked going across the planet uh, on the first season? They were doing what? Justice. Wait, justice. No. Thank oh, you. Justice. justice. Okay. Yeah. So uh, when when you know she obviously she has she has compassion. Then of course it's her son and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. right. you know, being able to make that command decision to do what you need, uh, what what's necessary in order to basically uh, have the ship survive. And I think really she's gotten over. 
out of all out of everything she's been through, I think she finally got over that whole entire. You know, you got to think of the overall versus the emotion now and right, what's right in front of you, and that's great to see something like that. Um, that her character grew up that uh, that much. I mean, well, especially after she you know passed the commander's test. Um, but like, I mean, I would delight. I mean, as as we all do, we, I would love to see <laughs> that earlier. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, it's great to see that she actually got over that um, instead of leaping with her emotions. That she, um, you know, think about it first and then react to it and uh, and move yeah. forward. So yeah. Picard series spinoff with Captain Beverly Picard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's wonderful. I mean, it's a shame it took until season seven to see as much of this, but it's great just to see it and we can in- enjoy that and what she does. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's great. I mean, considering that they knew it was going to end anyway. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Either way. Good yeah. choice. I like that. Thanks. So um, it's no surprise. I mean, we were just talking about it. It's Worf. <laughs> I chose Firstborn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Firstborn is one of my favorites. Um, you know, we finally get to see Alexander the um, the way we should have seen him. Or at least I think so. Uh, a lot the sooner. The future Alexander. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, besides the future part, I'm talking about the, the kid part. <laughs> mm, okay. So, like, you know, it's just... It's it's just something that I really wish we'd have saw a lot sooner, and just not no, not not the not the time travel part, but like the the whole entire him bonding with his son. That's a story that should have been in season five, and you know, as a B story or something like that. So we could at least get to know um, Alexander and also his relationship with his uh, and also worth uh, relationship with his son. I mean, it's I mean, in a especially in the time frame that it was in you know, in the early nineties, late eighties, you know, fathers leaving households and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's, it, it need in something like that should have been, should have been there to like what it would look like to bond with your son. Um, and then, and then so on. And what would it, what would look like afterwards? You know, like maybe he goes off to a Klingon, the Klingon Academy or a Klingon school. And then he find and then he has correspondence with them after that. And I, I would have loved to seen something like that. Um, but I mean, at least we saw it, so that's that's the good news. So, and obviously yeah. the fallout from his son, and well, I don't know how far you are. <laughs> Just saying, yeah. it's all good. I, you know, especially it's the fallout uh, between uh, him and Alexander in DS Nine. It's it's uh, it's kind of tragic. What happens to in that. season six? Sons and daughters? Is it? Yeah, I think so. It's either five or six. I think it's six. Yeah, it? in okay. in in that arc there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's great. I, there is some really great stuff where Worf and Alexander are spending time together and they, they're on this this planet where there are these Klingon rituals that they're participating in. Seems like Alexander's getting into it. It is a really interesting episode. And I, I don't know like where else they could have taken his, his character. I mean, what happens in DS9 to a certain extent makes sense, but is also a little sad. But then in the novels, Alexander becomes an ambassador which I think is kind of interesting. And you see him do that in that role. Like I've, I've been jumping around with different novels, but the ones that take place after Nemesis where Worf isn't an ambassador anymore, Alexander takes over as the ambassador to the Klingon Empire, which is, which is pretty interesting for him to take that role because he is more of someone of like words than of like a warrior fighting, right? So it right. makes a certain amount of sense. But, but yeah, what happens in Firstborn is, 
is I think pretty great. And I always find it moving just to see them together and wish we would have seen more of that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think you're right with the time that, you know, the season seven was happening, like to have an example of a father, son, a good father, son relationship could have been so powerful and, yeah. yeah, I, I feel like you get to explore more of a powerful father-son relationship in DS9 with Ben and Jake Sisko. Agreed. Yeah, because you get that, even though Jake isn't in a huge number of episodes, the ones that you see, there is a really nice bond between well, them. Well, and it's consistent. That's what mm-hmm. I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is. And it could have been consistent with Alexander because he's there exactly. for a little while, <laughs> but you don't see him that well, much. Well, but I mean, like, it, 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 I, it's a, I think it's different when it comes to, like, Jake and uh, Cisco only because you know he's not a he's not a father that left the household basically, and came back. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying Worf. That's true. Worf yeah. isn't. I mean, Worf is more of a more of that. It's probably similar to more to that situation than any other than any other father. Well, yeah, any other father, um, except for Bellana. I mean, really, that's pretty much the only one. Um, but like. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he would be a lot closer. And, you know, to have that kind of relationship to form again, I think that would be great mm-hmm. to see something like that, yeah. what it could look like. I mean, the difference also is that from the beginning of DS9, Jake is a main character. Even if you don't see right. him in more than like a third of the episodes, he's there yeah. in the main titles, he's going to be there right. a lot. And for Alexander, it's something that just kind of came up in the right. third season, just like, oh, here he is. So yeah. it's a little different and you can't. Well, especially when he got older. Than, yeah. When Jake yeah. got older. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. So, so All yeah, right. but it's great choice, Richard. Thanks. <laughs> okay, Amy, let's go for round two. Okay, so I'm sure y'all know which one I'm going to pick. Does it wait, have wait, wait, something wait, wait, wait. to do with a counselor of some sort? Wait, I got odds ah, 10 or to 1. Math. <laughs> 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 All right, well, yes, of course, the Deanna Troy. Um, and her character seriously takes off in season six and season seven and is exemplified here in season seven, Thine Own Self, where mm. she mm. decides to take the command test and then becomes uh, oh, full gosh, fledged I commander. didn't write it down. Commander. Yep. Full commander, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah full-fledged commander. Yep. A full-fledged commander, yeah, while Data is out and he's like, did you get a promotion? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so about her character that I wanted to highlight, of course, um, I love the fact that when she's going through and she keeps failing the test and, and we know that Riker is her evaluator and, um, you know, she sort of starts the episode with, well, I've been thinking about taking the the command test, you know, and she talks to her friend. She's talking to Beverly, who on this episode is in command, even though if it is the night shift, you know, but she likes to keep But earlier fresh, in the so. season, she had a great command in, uh, oh, are you talking about Beverly? Yeah, Beverly. Yeah. Yeah, descent, so yeah. we get to see Beverly in command again and that she's taking hmm. these shifts, you know, to you know, keep her fresh and everything. And so I like that Troy is, you know, going to her friends and, and definitely with Beverly, you know, saying, well, how is it? And, you know, I can just see this discussion. And so you can see that it's formulating in her head and then she goes for it and she's past all of them except this darn engineering one and is talking to Riker, who's her, like I said, her evaluator And Riker says, well, you've taken this too many times and I'm just going to pull the plug. You're done. 
And she fights for herself so strongly. And she, and so I like that she's fighting for herself and she identifies her weaknesses, but recognizes her strengths as well. And like that dedication shows her character in leaps and bounds. Like she is willing to say, I'm going to do this until it, I pass. Like I'm going to do it as many times as it takes. Now, I was thinking, the teacher in me, saying, well, how many times are you going to retake this test? You know, I have to pull the plug sometime, you know. But um, And then do we want someone who's in command who's taken the same test, you know, 10 times? Like, uh, that did flash through my mind. But focusing on her character, that she has that determination to go through and figure it out. Um, I just think this is a fabulous character development uh, episode for Troy and shows, um, again, just how awesome Troy is. <laughs> yeah. Very much yeah, so, no, yeah. I, th- I think it's it's great. And I mean, it is something, you talked about season six and seven, but like going back to even season five with Disaster, where she has to be in command on the bridge and, and yeah. make decisions. It and, references that too. And the, yeah. she references that like, there was this time that that thing happened and mm-hmm. I've been wanting to... to no more. So I, I think I think it's great. And like especially I think in the latter half of season six and then into season seven when she's in a regular uniform <laughs> again. Mm-hmm. I think that helps. And Marina Sirtis has even said like when they got me in a regular uniform, it was like they could give me things to do so that like I had a brain. It wasn't just like a love story kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I and I think it exemplifies that. But again, as we've said with some of these other ones, it would have been great to see even more of that or after she takes the command test that there's some situation where she has to take command and is doing things like you see Beverly do and and all of that mm-hmm. you know so instead of like being in command basically like in generations when it's like um everything's already kind of screwed so <laughs> like some other situation that could where she could better use that experience but I think it is really great and I love when we see that the few times that we do right I mean Better late than never, right? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I, I absolutely love this. I, I love this whole test of uh, in all the scenes that for, for her testing and, and whatnot. And do you think it would be different if it was actually someone else versus Jordy? Yeah. Think, what Annie? if she? What if in the simulation she had to send Riker to his death? Right. Exactly. I, that's what I was oh thinking. My gosh, like, I didn't even think about that. No, don't say that. <laughs> no, no, I but I mean, you were gonna be like less important. Like, oh, if it was just some red shirt, you no, know. No, but but I'm, then no. you amp it up to Riker. Oh my gosh. I mean, but but that but it could happen in a situation, right? And you'd have to, and that would be the ultimate test. Like somebody that you have some affection for, but for whatever reason, they have to be the one that you send to their death for it. You see, know? see, I cranked it up to expert in. Justin put it to the extreme. <laughs> well, let's put it even more extreme. Like, what What if it was the situation that in the simulation she had to send herself to her death to do it, right? Which could mm. happen with someone in command where it's like, I'm the captain, I'm going to take responsibility, I'm going to stay on the ship while it explodes or whatever, which we've seen in some Star Trek. What right. if it was that level? Like, could I send myself to my death, you know? Like, well, there's I a think, lot of crazy things in this kind of test. Yeah, I think, like, though, people would be more willing to sacrifice themselves mm-hmm. instead of someone else. Like, you know, mm. there's so many times where it's like, well, take me and well, and Picard has done that, you know, you know, keep me and, and let them go type of thing. So I, yeah. I think the ultimate test so ultimate would, would be, be Riker. commanding Riker. I, I don't know. I mean, ultimate. 
I, I would Mr. Be... Riker, the powers of your beard are what is needed in this situation. So. <laughs> <laughs> that um. actually wouldn't be a bad simulation, like you know what they did um, uh, with uh, with Crusher. Like all of a sudden, the disaster happened uh, mm-hmm. during this test, and something like that, or even put them in or transport them while they're sleeping in the middle of, um, and put them in the middle of like a holodeck or something like that, and then. That'll be the test. Be oh, like you're talking about the, the thing that Wesley Crusher goes through in Coming of Age? Yeah. I mean, obviously, okay. it's a, it, I mean, it's a little bit more dramatic with Bashir and DS9, but, like, you'll get there. Mm. <laughs> you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, um, yeah, like, something like that. I mean, something a little bit more extreme. Um, basically, mind-screwing with them and, with scenarios mm. that that you don't even know which what's real and what's not uh, until mm. you, obviously, yeah. So, actually, I think that would be a great uh, test of character right there. If, say, for instance, you did become a, uh, or you're about to become a commander and you're going to get surprise tested, um, but you don't know that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but regardless, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I, I think this is a story that should have been told a lot sooner um, than season seven, but I'm glad it happened and we actually get to see her do something other than, you know, feelings and, and counseling and all that kind of stuff. We could see her, uh, you get to see her, uh, see what she actually knows versus all that. So mm-hmm. it's a great choice. I knew you were going to pick it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and, and actually, everyone knew I was Yeah, everyone knew you were going to pick some Troy thing. But I think there's actually like a, like a through point also over to when Troy appears in, in Voyager and she's doing more than just counseling, but she's actually doing some like confronting of people and being hard nosed about stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, kind of builds on what she's done before so right yeah great choice great choice very good choice justin pick number two my pick number two okay so it's going to come from an episode that i know a lot of people love but it's only been more recent that i've gotten a great appreciation for it and that's lower decks hmm. so you know in this episode we do follow uh some some people lower in the ranks like from their perspective of what's happening you know on on the ship with promotions and there's a mission and all that stuff. But I wanted to particularly point up the character of, of Cedo Jaxa because you first see her in the season five episode, the first duty where Wesley is basically in trouble with these other people, Nick Locarno and Cedo Jackson, and a couple of others because there's been this accident and they're lying about it and someone's died. Right. And in that episode, she seems to maybe have a little uneasiness about it, but she kind of goes along with it. And then you go forward to, to Lower Decks where you see her again, and Picard actually gives her a really hard time about what, what she's done. Um, and I wanted to actually read out some of it because I think it's a really interesting scene and then goes into how um, what she does in, in the rest of the episode that I think is amazing for her, for her character arc. So Picard says, I see, I understand that you've been recommended for the ops position. Do you think you're up to it? And Cedo says, yeah, I do, sir. I'm not sure. I'm concerned about your record, sir. The incident that you were involved in at the academy. With all due respect, that was three years ago. My record since then, it doesn't matter how long ago it was, Ensign. Would you do something like that again? I can assure you, sir, that I would never, never jeopardize lives by participating in Picard says, a daredevil stunt? I would certainly hope not. What concerns me is that you participated in a cover-up that impeded an official investigation into the death of a cadet. Sir, I know I should have told the truth from the start. Yes, you should, but you didn't. Instead, you joined with the others and pretended that it was simply an accident. Now, what do you think that tells me about your character? And Cedo says, sir, if you had any idea what it was like after that incident, 
I didn't have any friends. I didn't have anyone to talk to. I had to take my flight test with the instructor because no one else would be my partner. In a lot of ways, it would have been easier to just walk away, but I didn't. I stuck with it. Doesn't that say something about my character too? And I just love that because Picard is like pushing her like, why are you even here? You shouldn't be in that position. And she's defending herself saying, I made a mistake. I understand that. But doesn't it say something about my character, about what I had to put up with that I wanted to to serve? And you find out in the course of the episode that actually Picard is really just testing her and that he was the one that recommended that she come to the Enterprise because he could see something in her. Uh, and you know, and during the the course of this, she volunteers for this dangerous mission with this um, with this Cardassian that needs to kind of go behind the the lines in, in Cardassia, and she, she ends up dying at the end of the episode. And I just think that like for for her character, it's something kind of amazing that's happened. She's gone from somebody that was participating in this lie to someone that is like really become part of the Starfleet ideal and what you should do. And, and she ends up, you know, sacrificing herself for this important mission. And, you know, toward the end, Picard gives a really nice eulogy for her. So, I mean, it's a character that was only in a couple of episodes, but I'm, I was just impressed in rewatching it. Like what happens with her character over the course of, of, of those episodes, especially this one where you're seeing someone who's not one of the, the main characters, but you're seeing her as kind of the embodiment of the ideals of, of Starfleet. And I think it's just a, a great series of character moments for this this character that we only, we don't see after this, so. Yeah, I think what you bring up is is a great point that I wish we would actually see a little bit more because in her character, we see this flaw. We see that there was a mistake made. Mm-hmm. And, you know, although we don't see her day to day, she obviously overcame. She learned from her mistake and is going to prove herself to not only just Picard and Starfleet, but to herself that, you know, she did learn from her mistake. She's not going to, you know, allow that mistake to define her and do the best that she can be the best person that she can be Um and then which is also run similar to Starfleet ideals. I think that is a great message um, that we get to see that she, yeah, just pulls through in this episode and we learn of her fight and, and the courage that it takes to live through what was at the time, as we saw in, you know, when she was with Wesley, like that was a major incident you know, mm-hmm. and to overcome that and to live with that and to accept that responsibility and, and be accountable for that. And then she still ends up on the Enterprise flagship of Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think we saw enough of her. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know about you guys, but I can understand, I can... Uh, I can sympathize uh, with, or, or more like not sympathize, empathize <laughs> um, with her on, you know, making a mistake like that and, uh, you know, basically uh, losing losing friends and basically her reputation is ruined, mm-hmm. I mean, at the Academy. I mean, really, that's mm-hmm. ultimately what it is. I can, I can understand that. I know exactly how that feels. Um, I just think that um, so this was going to be my uh, one of my honorary um, uh, mentions, and um, only because there really wasn't 
to me, there wasn't much character uh, uh, for, uh, momentum or for whatever uh, <laughs> moment for like a main character is what I was thinking. Now, granted, now with with her uh, as uh, if you're talking about Cedo, then that's a different story. Um, but like, well, but where, where you were saying originally was it just about like it was okay that you didn't uh, see her after that and what happens? Or I mean, like, what do you think of like her in the episode? I, like I said, you know, I empathize with what how she feels. I don't mm-hmm. think we need to see that only because I think it would be awkward, but that's just me. Um, but like um, her telling her, basically um, telling her, I don't want to say sob story, but pretty much her that's story. what it is. Her story. There you go. Her story about how uh, how she was treated and, and whatnot. Um, it's it's heart filling. I mean, obviously you can see it because she's basically almost near tears, and she's all, she's holding it back, especially in front of you know her commanding officer. I mean, you you, you can't you can't show something like that. You got to be strong, and you got to be upfront, and you got to be, you know, um, demanding about uh, how you were uh, how you were treated and, and whatnot. And I think that's a very power. Uh, the way she says it is a very powerful story on how she overcame all that and it's great that um you know picard gave her that second chance in a sense which i'm i'm um, I'm wondering about the other cadets um obviously nick is gone or tom paris whichever one you want to choose um (laughs) um, tom lacarno nick paris there you go there you go (laughs) and you know that's I'm I'm wondering where they went, but like I mean, to get and uh, why would they? Why would he give her a chance and not the others? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously we see you know Wesley, um, but like you know, why did he give her her that second chance when the other girl uh, basically did the same thing? So regardless, yeah. You know, well, yeah. she doesn't come up, but then so I think Torek was one of them in the novels. He ends up on the Enterprise. Take a shot, Zach. Uh, <laughs> so you do see him uh, later, but. Yeah. But yeah, they chose to focus on on this one. I just like that they brought her back and that she got an interesting like arc in in the story. And I just like to pick out sometimes if it's not a main character, but a character whose development I appreciate, even if it's short lived. So yeah. right, Good. no, I get, it. I get it. Yeah, awesome pick. I love it. <laughs> I really do. Like I said, it was a it was a un, our honorable mention. So the honorable yeah. mention was with Cedo or something else from Lower Decks. No, well, I think. I, You'll get to it. Yeah, okay. I guess we could get to it, but yeah. Well, I might as well say it. I mean, I like the episode in general. I mean, mm-hmm. I like seeing it from the other side. Uh, you know, it's it, it actually was one of those stories that it was like a break from, you know, everyone else's drama or action, whatever's going on, and you focus on someone else that you never see, which is the crew. I mean, the the real crew. You know, the ones who actually you know clean the 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 waste management ducks or, or, you know, is actually at the, uh, you know, operation console or is, is doing Mm -hmm. something, you know, replacing a conduit or something like that. You know, that's the people I would like to have seen here and there. um, Starfleet maintenance crew, the new series. (laughs) 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 Or or maybe not, maybe not that far, but. (laughs) Hey, maybe they find weird stuff in the middle of the night and they solve mysteries. (laughs) Oh, that would be great for a crime novel. <laughs> but like, I mean, something like that. You see other people doing other things other than what the what the main crew is, the seniors are doing. And I I, I like this story quite a bit. It's it's a really mm-hmm. good story uh, uh, to see the other side. So I really do like okay. it. Yeah. 
So I'm curious, Richard, what's your second pick? <laughs> um, okay, so it's the it's the Pegasus. I'm not going to give right. my third one, so you, you, I think you guys know what it is. But anyway, uh, the Pegasus is my third one. And well, you would lower decks was your honorable. We're saying your second main one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's the Pegasus. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I like I, I I really like Riker. I mean, obviously it's a Riker. It's a predominantly Riker story, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I love how he he stands up against Admiral Pressman. It just should, I mean, I really, um, from what I've seen him throughout this whole entire season, that why he's not willing to choose the cam, uh, choose a command is that he's unsure of himself. Maybe he's seen lots of questionable things and he's not, and maybe he believes in, in his own character that, um, he's not, will, he, or he's, he's, uh, he's not confident in himself to make those competent, I mean, also on t- yeah. uh, competent in moral decisions. And now granted, there's also a second piece. Deanna is the second piece, but regardless, uh, let, let's just say that's gone. But like, let's. But like, I really think that he has that. He's very unsure of himself to make those big command decisions and then live with them, like Picard does. And I really think that this episode right here solidifies the cement, um, and basically says, "Hey, I'm ready." You know. Let's go. Yeah. You know, I'm willing. You stood up against an admiral who was doing something that's obviously immoral and also a violation of a big treaty at the same time. And now, and now, and now, you stood up to him, uh, basically being that moral, uh, per, more the one with the moral compass. So I think mm-hmm. this is a really good Riker to, to actually have that confidence that he really, really needed. Mm-hmm. No, it's a great pick from a great episode. I can't help, though, every time we talk about the Pegasus, thinking about Riker getting some advice from a holodeck program about the 22nd century. <laughs> but we're not talking about that. Right. But no, I mean, it, it, it is really, it's a great episode for him. And, you know, you would think the outcome of it would be that he, he stood up, he feels that he's maybe ready to make the command decisions. But from here, it takes like another eight years for him to actually accept a being captain of a like ship. Like I said, Deanna. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I mean, it is really great. And I mean, like, as far as Riker, I mean, I think he's a great character. A lot of people love him, but there could have been more done with him on, on the show. He didn't necessarily have to accept a command of another ship on the show, but mm-hmm. there, there aren't a huge number of, like, Riker-focused episodes. And it's great to have this one where you see the way that he's thinking and something he deals with. It's a really difficult situation, how he navigates it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. And, you know, and I, as you were talking, was thinking, man, have I had to stand up to someone who I admired, who was a mentor to me and mm. like how difficult that would have to be. And for him to do that. And yes, he does have the safety net of Picard, you know, now being his superior officer, you know, if you will. Um, but I think still just the courage to do that and it just shows so much and that he has developed, like you said, his moral compass. I think that is a great character development that we get to see uh, shine in the Pegasus. That's a great pick. I love the Pegasus. No. <laughs> All right. Well, looks like we're on round three. Amy, you want to start us off? Okay. So... My first pick was Worf, 
Mm. My second pick was Deanna. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. So nah. it builds Uh-oh. up. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I can't talk about season seven without the Troy Wharf relationship. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I just love it. To Two me, against one. I like it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so natural and we really get to see it um, take its form, albeit a fake form, in Eye of the Beholder. And this is the one where uh. Uh, Deanna is sensing and she it basically is Deanna's inner light episode wouldn't you agree because the whole episode takes place yeah a lot of it takes place within a couple minutes really yeah no within a few moments because you know the door opens and then we go through the whole episode and then there's Worf like pulling her away and that happened within a few moments so what I love I thought you were going to go for a different episode but go ahead (laughs) well I know but I just (laughs) I was so sucked in this time, and I don't know Mm. how many times I've seen this episode, but the whole time, and I was so shocked when Worf and Deanna, like, spend the night together. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't remember this. And then at the end of the episode, (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, it was just this little fake, you know, this this concept that she was having. uh, I just think... I'll be, I don't like seeing Troy be the jealous, but that was, you know, all part of the mental thing that was happening to her. But like the character of Worf and Troy getting together um, happens so organically. I still like that Worf goes to Riker to, you know, sort of sense out the waters. You know, I think that's so cute. And so how they sort of both prepare for their relationship, I think is great. And I just think when Alexander came on and how uh, Deanna was so helpful with Worf Mm -hmm. and Alexander and then how their friendship grew from that, I just think this is a great episode to bring these two characters together, albeit it's this facade, but I still like it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think Eye of the Beholder is a, is, is a really good, interesting episode. When you said Troy Worf, I thought you were going to say Parallels. Well, and <laughs> but, I've talked a lot about Parallels of that, but I like Eye yeah. of the Beholder because it's more consistent, like they're together mm. through the whole episode, where Parallels, it's only this, you know, this time. They're together in multiple realities, so that's something. <laughs> I know, exactly. And here okay. in Eye of the Beholder, they are together. And I, I just, it just made me happy. No, I'm trying to remember. Is Eye of the Beholder the last one that really... Oh, no, there is some stuff in All Good Things, I guess, about Worf and Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. That's, yeah. But no, I mean, it's 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 a good pick. Not what I expected, but <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Richard? Uh, I said it before. I don't remember what episode it was, but um, where we talked about the possibility of Troy and Worf. I, 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 I don't see it. I, I really don't. Oh, no. <laughs> I I... I I want. I wanted. You know. You know. Be a believer. But um. I, I, See, and so yeah. this is my fears because I do like Troy and Worf together, and as you know, I'm watching Deep Space Nine. Like, because I know. Spoilers: They don't get together in that. Right? You know, <laughs> yeah. I know Worf and Jadzia. I've seen the wedding episode, and I still have this TNG part of me. That I love that like, episode. Oh, Worf and Troy. Really? You know? I mean, I like Worf and Troy, but I like Worf and Jadzia more. 
And yeah. and I like Troy and Riker. So I know yeah. so it's just a fun little, you know. Okay. Romance And I like the, the shipping serious them. ones, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. It's just it's to me they're just two different kind of people. I mean, like if we were talking about Jensen and, and Worf, I mean, as she said in the episode, we're going to have fun together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's great. Well, and, and but I they like are it. two different kinds of people because Jadzia wants to have more fun, but they have other things in common. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they had more, more stuff in common or something like that, or if we saw more of her, um, uh, or I'm talking about Troy, not not Jazzy, obviously. Um, but like, if we if they did more stuff together, then besides the martial arts and, well, remember uh, yeah. on All Good Things where they're walking out together because they just went the holodeck and like Worf is all being stuff headed and you mean the stimulating program? And it's like, yeah, didn't you enjoy that walk on the beach? And you know, I mean, so Troy has her own way of being fun and still is pushing Worf to. You know, hey, at the end himself. of Parallels, Worf orders champagne. So that's Worf right? being fun. And we can just imagine what happened afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, that okay. is yeah. another discussion. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. I like that you liked, uh, liked them together, but it's just, I, yeah. I, I just can't see it. <laughs> I just can't. I, I can't. It. I can't. <laughs> so, all right, Mr. Uh, Mr. Ozer. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 one that, you know, I've been thinking about it and wondering if you guys were going to choose this moment or something from this episode, but as you have not yet, and we're on our third picks now, um, it has to be the last scene of All Good Things. There you go. I have to choose that. I mean, even though maybe it's the obvious one and a lot of people would think about it, it is such an incredible character moment for Picard that at the very end of the episode, and I'll just read it out because I just love it anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that Picard actually comes to join the, the the poker game. So, you know, basically Picard enters and, you know, Riker says, is there a problem? Thinking like there's something that needs to be handled on the ship. And Picard says, no, I just thought that I might uh, I might join you this evening if there's room. And Riker says, of course, have a seat. Data says, would you care to deal, sir? Picard says, oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Data. Actually, I used to be quite a card player in my youth, you know. I should have done this a long time ago. And Troy says, you were always welcome. And Picard says, so, five card stud, nothing wild, and the sky's the limit. I mean, as many times as I see that or read about it, it is such a perfect like end and encapsulation to the series. And it's such a wonderful thing that from the first episode, like encountered Farpoint when Picard is really stuffy, he's barely acknowledging Riker when he comes aboard, you know, and he seems stern early on. They've gone through all these experiences, through all of these episodes and these seasons and these years. And it's also, I think, saying something about like the, the, the cast as well, like behind the scenes, right? Because originally Patrick Stewart was like, it's all business. It's not in our contracts to have fun. I mean, they tell stories about this now. And then like gradually, like it loosens up and they were having so much fun on the set and like Picard, not Picard, Patrick Stewart ended up being like the silliest of them all, right? So it's kind of like... The, the in the course of the series, Picard has progressed to this point where he can just kind of relax and have a good time at the poker table, right? And then, like, as a group of actors together, that they are just, like, the most amazing best of friends, as, as we've seen in different videos and panels and things like that. So I just have to choose that because, for me, it's just, like, probably, I've mentioned it third, but it's probably my favorite character moment of the whole series, 
and it's just such a perfect way to, to end it. So I had to include it here. I have to agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great ending. I mean, it's probably one of the best. Yeah. Yeah, as you yeah. were reading it, gosh, I got emotional yeah. because it is. And when you're saying it, oh my gosh, mm. yeah, it's too close after STLV. <laughs> 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 um, just you know, when the door opens and you see Picard there, and like you were reading the script, and it was just going through my mind, and like. You can feel everyone's love for each other and that they're there, mm-hmm. you know, playing yeah. poker together and spending time with each other because they are family. And you're yeah. right. It mirrors the characters mirror what the actors feel as well, because we know that the actors all love and respect each other. And so to see this, this is the best. I, and I will defend it till the day I die. This is the best series finale ever and it is because of that moment where they're just all coming together and Picard realizing yeah I should have done this years ago and then Troy saying you're always welcome like that's it's the idea and I it is a very very good pick sorry oh excellent no it's fine thank you for letting your emotions flow <laughs> appreciate it because it is I like I always you know I go through a rewatch and then you get to that last scene it makes me emotional too it makes me cry because it's just everything that they've been through and it's it's not only like an affirmation of how close they become as a crew and actors and all of that but saying the sky's the limit it's like the where they could go from there and the movies they could have and things like the sky's the limit and of course now like we're going to have a new series with Picard like it brings a new meaning to that like yeah. we're going to, uh, to to see more and have further adventures with that it's not the end you know there's there's going to be more and and yeah I, I think before I had ever seen any of the, the the movies I saw that scene I was like wow that's that's incredible and that makes me want to see like what's next you know yeah what are you holding up there, Richard? It's a tissue. Oh, a tissue. A tissue. Have a gra- holographic <laughs> tissue. There you go. My fish. Yeah. My, uh, yes. Transporter chief, energize. <laughs> <laughs> the tissue over there. <laughs> Gosh, uh, I feel like that should have been last. Like, last, last. <laughs> I can't top that. Oh. <laughs> I did, but, but, like, I didn't want it to be an honorable mention. I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll put it as an honorable mention. It'll be the very last thing. But I couldn't. It had to be one of the, the yeah, three. Yeah, so. definitely. You don't have to top it. It just... Go go with what you were gonna go with. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, um, okay. I guess it's my turn then. Yeah, it that was a that was a great pick. It really was. I absolutely love that scene. It's it, it like you said. Um, it's one of the best scenes, um, truly in, in Star Trek. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. Um, and it's very heartfelt. And obviously as we just heard from Amy and, you know, from everyone else, I'm sure everyone watched it for the very first time. Freaking. I, I would hope that you had, that you were crying out for that. Cause I <laughs> certainly did <laughs> when it, when I, when it first aired. So, um, yeah, definitely, uh, heartfelt. And obviously talking about season seven, we can't possibly even forget that scene. So, right. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, <clears throat> Now I feel kind of silly with mine, but uh, That's I'm okay. just going to say the mood. it anyway. Yeah, I'm going to say it. So um, <clears throat> I chose Journey's End. Okay. 
Um, and not for the obvious reason. Uh, for the I assume Americans. it's not because of Wesley. It is because of Wesley. Oh. <laughs> no, remember, oh, oh, this okay. is the one yeah, that yeah. Richard does like. I you do like, like this one. This is gone. the Wesley episode that I do like because he leaves the show. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it really, I mean, it's, I mean, to put the kidding all aside, yes, I don't like Wesley for uh, other reasons, but regardless, um, it's a really good episode for him uh, to actually close it up and actually, you know, considering that, you know, Gene Roddenberry thought of himself as Wesley Crusher in, I guess I want to say a, a like a, a prodigy child or something like that, or or, or you know just a, a yeah. Very, I mean, very Gene Roddenberry's child. middle name was Wesley, so it was like right. supposed to be him as a kid in right. a, in a way. Yeah. So you know, you know, and I'm sure that's how he saw. I, I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure that's how he saw himself. Um, and that's fine and all that kind of stuff. But like to, you know. Uh, to be annoyed with the with uh, with Starfleet Academy and then you know saying like I don't I haven't learned anything or something like that or like I don't feel like there's any I'm learning any, I'm not progressing any uh, anything forward. What a great way to end his story. Mm-hmm. Well, not really end a story, but end the series uh, with him going off with the Traveler um, and basically exploring the world. I'm surprised Q didn't take him. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm I don't know. Vosh is more his speed. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So yeah, so you know what a great way to take the uh, go with the traveler and basically learn whatever he learns, which we obviously don't know what he learned because we saw him obviously at Nemesis, and there was a deleted scene. I don't know if you've seen the deleted scene with him I in Nemesis. Have you? Don't. I think I've read about it, but I haven't actually seen it. But yeah, tell a, us. it's yeah. But it's basically. It really, I mean, it, it, if they would add it in, it would probably add more confusion to it because he would say, "Oh yeah, I'm back on, um, I'm back at Starfleet," and I'm like, um, well, it's still confusing because you do actually like, even though that scene was deleted, I think you do see him sitting there, and it's like, what's he doing there? <laughs> right. I would rather, I'd rather not know than and speculate versus that scene uh, came up because that would have made mm-hmm. it a lot far more confusing and be like, um, last time we heard, you were with the Traveler, and you don't mention right. anything about that, so. And it feels like, and it felt like the scene was with Picard and, um, and, and Crusher and basically, or his mom, obviously. Um, and it, it felt like, you know, oh, we haven't seen you in a while. And we're like, okay. <laughs> You've had all kinds of adventures yeah. that may be covered somewhere else. Wesley yeah. is actually in some novels that take place before Nemesis, where mm. like literary treks is making their way through it. And he is in a couple of them. So, and I'm hoping he's in some later ones because it still doesn't quite explain what happens. Right. Yet, but exactly. But so, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it's great for him, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, I think what you're yeah. actually saying, Richard, is you're happy he left the show, but you think it is a good story, and that you do actually enjoy Wesley going through that story. I was trying to put a, a positive spin on a negative one. <laughs> okay, that's the spin I'll put on it. You, you were happy he was gone, but you enjoyed the the journey that he was having in that episode. Uh, the journeys and yeah, the journeys well, and yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be like that. But okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well. Yeah, that is, that's, you know, I agree. I don't have the uh, dislike for, for Wesley that you do. And, and I think it is a great episode and we definitely get a lot of character development through Wesley. Uh, even though I think sometimes it sort of comes off as like, whoa, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But other than that, I mean, I think it seems very natural for him to go through what he has in order to make the decision to leave Starfleet and to go off with uh, the Traveler. So, uh, it, yeah, great pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and let's not take away from the fact that it's a Native American story and, yeah, and all that and Picard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyway. So, anyway. <laughs> All right, let's do honorable mentions. So we already, uh, we already have one of mine on the board. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, Amy, uh, why don't you uh, give us your honorable mentions? Okay, so I just have one honorable mention, and that is Interface, where my character is going to be the Enterprise. Hmm. And so we uh-huh. get an Interface. <laughs> I mean, we, we have to say it. It's season seven, where the Enterprise becomes... <laughs> And gives birth to this thing and takes over the ship and wait, that's emergence. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, emergence. I do apologize. <laughs> I was like, wow. Is there an alternate version of that where you know Jordy <laughs> <laughs> helps to make it? Yeah. Sudden. No. I. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. It was one of those vowels. It's those one-word titles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So emergence. Thank you. And I just think it's so interesting um, with the the Enterprise and how it uses its systems and then it mirrors, you know, like a human, you know, and it's like, well, it's defense system and it's replicator is sort of like it's, you know, giving birth and it's defense system. And, you mm. know, so it sort of goes through uh, these systems that it has and the, the communications is how it talks and the sensors is how it listens and you know, I just think I like that parallelism of this inanimate object taking on, you know, these human characteristics and uh, we get the Enterprise as a true character, which we have seen the Enterprise in all seven seasons as. And, you know, I think a lot of us and especially uh, TOS fans think of the Enterprise as a as a character. So. Mm. So yeah, that's a great pick. I I really enjoy emergence and the idea of the enterprise becoming like its own sentient being. I mean, it seems like it's really powerful and and all the things that it's trying to do and it gives birth to this shape thing <laughs> that just yeah. throws out into the universe. I mean, it's kind of like a bizarre episode and I know not everybody enjoys it, but but I love it and it's true. It's one of those times where the Enterprise D really becomes a focus and its own character. I mean, you do hear the voice of the computer on the holodeck. It's kind of like a manifestation of the computer, but this is more than anything else like the Enterprise or the Enterprise computer itself being that really important character that you get to know. So, yeah, yeah I, I love I that. Mean, it is a Joe Minoski episode, so there's... Yeah, yeah, so it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, with all the Which crazy straws and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy straws. Yeah. I remember when we talked about and that. The brick and <laughs> new Verteron form. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Justin. I actually have two. Okay. <laughs> great. There's so many great moments here. So, the, the first one that I wanted to uh, talk about is Homeward. So, that's mm-hmm. the one where Worf's foster brother, Nikolai Rojenko, he's in this colony and not a colony, actually. It's this group of people that are being observed, pre-warp civilization, something's going to happen to destroy all life on, on the planet. And what I really like about it is, you know, Picard has this really strict interpretation of the prime directive. Like, this is just the natural course of things. They all have to die. And what I like about the character of Nikolai is that for him, it's like, I 
just don't agree with that interpretation. Like, how can it be good for the natural course of the civilization if you're going to just let the civilization go extinct, right?、Mm-hmm. And I like have a really、uh, like strong empathy for for that kind of of point of view. And through the episode, you know, this is some guy we've never known before, but we get to know the strong feeling that he has about preserving at least some of the life on the planet. And he ends up having like an innovative solution where he navigates through things. And in the end, they don't really know any better. So he's kind of satisfied both things, which I think is brilliant. Being able to like not necessarily contaminate their culture, but also to save some lives. Because and this is something that's come up in you know TNG or other iterations of of Star Trek. Like, is it really the correct interpretation of the Prime Directive to say that you can't intervene and do anything, even if it means that all life is extinguished on that planet? Like, what is the point <laughs> of not interfering? If they're all just going to die,、uh, so I think that's that's an interesting thing that that I, I'd like to see kind of explored more. And there's even like an Enterprise novel where they're talking about the the forming of the Prime Directive, and they even say in there like like, but couldn't it be interpreted to stand by when all life gets extinguished? And they're like, that's ridiculous. Nobody would interpret it that way. <laughs> like they're trying to say like in the beginning, like it wasn't necessarily supposed to be like that, but it's been taken to this extreme, like 200 years later or something like that.、Mm-hmm. So I really like Nikolai's character and his kind of, you know, the position that he has that he sticks to. Like, why should we let everyone die? Like this makes no sense to me, and I totally like sympathize with that, and and I think it. I agree with that. It's the kind of thing I would want to do instead of standing by and you know watching so many people die. So, well, and as you describe that, I mean, and these aren't next generation references, but I, when you were describing that, I was thinking of Into Darkness, where they had to calm the the opening scene, you know, where Spock is down there and、mm-hmm. has to get rid of, you know, calm the volcano. Or、yeah. the opening scene of Discovery, where they're out and they have to get the water to the surface. You know,、mm-hmm. for、yeah. these aliens, and it's like, yeah, without intervention, they're gonna die and become extinct. So, yeah, it, how does that fit the prime directive? And so, I, yeah, great, great philosophical question that <laughs> brings up. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Um. Okay. <laughs> I、go、do、ahead. want to throw in another one. I, okay, okay, I go ahead. Go ahead.、Forget. Wait, it's not Subrosa, is it? No, it's another <laughs> Troy one, but more along the lines of、uh, Luaxana Troy in Dark Page. I'm just going to throw that out. I mean, we see their mother-daughter relationship, and I think it just really、uh, is poignant in this episode that with all the kidding and jiving and you know ribbing that. Diana、mm-hmm. gives Luaxana, oh, it's my mother, blah blah blah. Like their relationship and their bond is so strong, and it just it comes to the forefront in Dark Page and what、yes. Diana does for Luaxana,、mm-hmm. and we see a deeper character in Luaxana. But their relationship together is solidified, and I think just really to the point where if you didn't pick it up through seasons one through six, and I did, I thought they had a great relationship. That here it is. You see their love for each other and that strong bond that they have、um, because of the hardship and stuff like that. So that's honorable mention is Dark Page. 
Yeah, in fact, that was my second honorable mention, or at least part of it. Yeah, because in like in Dark Page, what's really interesting also is that you get to see the love between them, but you also get to see Deanna counseling Waxana, which hasn't really happened before. Mm-hmm. So their relationship has kind of progressed to this point where they can do that. And actually, like what what I had here was the pretty much the very last scene, like tor- toward the end when you know, Deanna's found out that she had this sister, Kestra, who who died and that Loxana feels just so terribly guilty about it and has suppressed it for all of these years. So at the end, you know, they're they're together and Loxana's looking at a picture of um of of Ian, who is her husband, and Kestra and Deanna, and she says, I remember the day I took this. And Deanna says, Mr. Hom said he saved it in case somebody uh, wanted to remember her. And Loxana sighs and says, I wish you could have known her, Deanna. I wish you two could have grown up together. And Deanna says, tell me about her. I want to know everything. And then they just hug. And it kind of like, I think we mentioned this before, the camera pulls away and that's the end. It's just such like a touching, tender moment. That's the last time you see Loxana on on TNG. And it just kind of, like you were saying, like originally when you see them in Haven, it's like, oh, my mother and she's trying to get me married and all this stuff. And, and you see all the kind of adversarial parts of the relationship. But in the end, they really do love each other. And Deanna's helping her mother through this. And it's just, it's really moving. Yeah. And, and I, I, I love that and love that we got that in Dark Page. So we already talked about my honorable mention, one of them that is. And I always have to, when I talk about season seven, I always have to talk about force of nature. Um, I absolutely love this uh, episode. I mean, I guess I could uh, one you up uh, uh, there, Amy, and just say this is the Federation or people in the galaxy in general. (laughs) (laughs) But like, um, I really, uh, I really like this episode. You know, I'm, I can't really say I'm a, conser- uh, a conservatist, or not conservatist, but a conservationist. conservationist. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but like, it really shows the impact that like space travel has, even on subspace, or you know, it's just like we're destroying our own um, uh, our in- space environment, so to speak, uh, because we, you know, uses mode of tra- uh, transportation, which you know, it's not, you know, it's not like they had any impact. Which what it took them what almost 200 years to get to that point where they started seeing real harm in subspace right? or something, something like that. Something like that. Well, I mean, there'd been warp travel for about 300 years, yeah. but maybe gotten to a point where it's like high warp travel for right. a few hundred years or something. So mm-hmm. definitely, I mean, we see, we see this, you know, obviously we see the, uh, this kind of damage in, you know, the, uh, what is it? The Omega uh, incident or something like that in Voyager or something like that, where, you know, they, they hurt, mm. they, they can hurt subspace. And oh, actually the Omega molecule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, and I, I like that episode as well. And mostly because it's, you know, we got to be wary of our, you know, impact within mm-hmm. our own environment. I mean, we can we we say environment, and we think of planets and vegetation and animals and all that kind of stuff. But half the time, we don't even think about space either. So um, I just mm-hmm. I just love this episode that we talk that in general that they talk about you know protecting our environment as in space travel. And I absolutely I absolutely love that they talk about that. So yeah, mm-hmm. but that was my yeah. last one. <laughs> okay. No, it's a it's it's a good pick. I like the message. I feel like it could have been executed a little better in certain ways, but but yeah, I, I, and it does bring up you know a really good message. Of course, they don't pick it up too much later. Although, of course, I'm reading a novel now that tries to explain it, but <laughs> why they don't really talk about it like they've upgraded their 
warp drives and things like that. But, but no, I mean, it is an important message that you don't see enough. And it, and it is one of those kind of bold moves where they're questioning something that you've had since the very beginning of Star Trek. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, we talk about like, the, I mean, they talk about recycling and all that kind of stuff and just re reusing atoms and whatnot. And yeah. I just think this is just one of those ones that, you know, even and we're oblivious to obviously until, you know, it becomes almost too late. So they have to fix it. Mm-hmm. So, which they do. So awesome. 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 Great picks guys. Awesome picks. I love it. <laughs> so, um, Justin, do you want to give us the preview for next week's episode? Sure. Or- so okay. next week on Earl Grey, we'll be having a guest, uh, Shashank Avaru from the Politrex podcast, and he'll be talking about the episode Remember Me. So I'd say go ahead and rewatch that, and we'll have a great discussion with uh, Shashank Avaru next week. Awesome. It'll be just you two, not me. <laughs> it will be, because you'll be on another special mission of some kind. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Infiltrating another Cardassian base. <laughs> nice. All right. Section 31 mission. There okay. you go. <laughs> Well, it has been so much fun talking about our favorite character moments from TNG Season 7. But that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, the 602 Club. Well, and I think that uh, there's even, you know, a a kernel of that conversation uh, reflected in when he is on uh, the, the airship with his dad and it's very interesting because Indy gives you know they give the the two versions of the story where you know you were distant you didn't hang out with me you didn't do these things I didn't have a normal dad like every other kid and then you hear uh, you know Henry Jones Sr. say I never told you to wash behind your ears I never checked up on your homework I gave you all of the freedom and independence that you wanted and if you were to ask any kid They'd say that's what they wanted. And then you find out, to speak to the point about fact and truth, that that's not necessarily what you want. You want involvement. You want connection. You want to be together. You want to be part of your family unit. And you want it to be cohesive. I mean, you know, at a, at a baseline, that's what everybody wants. Warp 5. So for the listeners, if you haven't watched this episode, she murders. She's unsure of if she murders, but she kills the seventh person she was supposed to round up. Whoa, the seventh! Oh, what a shock! Be still, my heart. So, he mockingly said, To the journey! I love that Barkley says he's lost himself in Voyager because I have been there, man. Haven't we all, Reg? Haven't we all? It hits a little close to home. It does. I'm a little bit like Barkley in some ways. I, you know, I have just a little bit of paranoia to me. Awkward? No, a little paranoid. No, I don't think I'm awkward. No. Okay, maybe, a, maybe a little bit. <laughs> well, you said you're like Barkley. Awkward. Give me a glass of wine and I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> Synthahol. Excuse me. Synthahol. Melodic tricks. Okay, so that's one of the things they do. Um, the music is much more enhanced, and the music is louder uh, when you're sitting in the audience. The dialogue is is lowered so that you can hear the music. The idea is to get you to appreciate what the score is all about. And the idea is to focus your mind on the music rather than on the movie. But actually your brain does tricks and it's very difficult to disassociate yourself. 
So you're staring at the screen and then you kind of have to pinch yourself and remind yourself that there's a full live orchestra on the stage. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to, to join in the <laughs> the best place is to join the larger conversation in the Babel Conference, our listeners group uh, group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com trek.fm. So Richard, where can people contact you when you're not helping Dr. Crusher to implement metaphasic shielding for the Enterprise D? I'm just glad that I'm not in sickbay. <laughs> All right, you'd rather be on the bridge? I'd rather be on the bridge when I'm with Dr. Crusher. There you go. <laughs> yeah, although the surgery in the 24th century doesn't seem quite as bloody, but yeah. <laughs> I Not think a, I'm with you, yeah. as long as I know what the buttons do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oops, oh, sorry about that. I should have known that it wasn't that button. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, you guys can find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. And as limited as it is, I am periodically on Twitter, and my handle is xransom. So if you guys want to talk to me there, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever asked you, Richard, like, is there some meaning to xransom? Yes. There is. There is. <laughs> there is. Um, so I think it was like 10th grade in high school. Uh, I was uh, sitting in the middle of... Um, business class it, it, it was it, it you know they talk about business and all that kind of stuff like consumer law business law i think it was i think it was business law so anyway um i was sitting in there bored out of my mind <laughs> <laughs> as usual in high school um and a band came in that i absolutely love it was non uh non-ransom is is the is was the hmm. name of the band and i can't remember what the other band but it had x something and okay. At that time, I was thinking of how, uh, how to create a brand new email, and voila, X Ransom um, was mm. born, and that's what I've been using since what? Since nineteen ninety eight. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. So. so, so listeners, if you listen this far, I know some of you do. Just drop a comment in the Babel Conference about, about Richard's story. <laughs> I think it's I think that's great because sometimes that happens. You just pick something like at random like that, right? And it just becomes your online identity for a while. Basically, yeah. So, I mean, it's not yeah. it's not as cool as like Neo or something like that, but you know, it's 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 cool. It's there. I mean, it's distinctive, and I hadn't thought to ask you before, so thank you. And obviously, <laughs> you told the story to Amy before without me knowing. <laughs> that's okay. Have I? <laughs> Have I told you that? Um, well, actually, that's actually new because I remember you oh. saying um, previously, so deep dive listeners, um, <laughs> when we were on with uh, Lee, 
Um, you had mentioned that you chose that as your gaming. Yep. And so you had used that because you had already started that for your gaming profile. And so that's why I knew it was important because that was your gaming profile. So you okay. went even further back in the true. <laughs> I, the I told origin. you the origin story. Yeah, yeah. the origin story. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been around for a while. <laughs> so Yeah, it was just much harder to guess than say, oh, I don't know, Miss Amy Nelson or Trek Fan 4747. That's kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yours, I just wondered about. So, anyway. Right <laughs> well, thanks for asking. <laughs> so, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not letting Worf know his Makbara challenge is not a fair test? I mean, is it? Well, is it ever really fair? <laughs> <laughs> well, Cito tells him it's not, so... Well, you can find me here on the network. I co-host The Edge with Patrick Devlin, and that is our podcast that covers Star Trek Discovery. I am on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson. Nothing clever there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I, was, uh, I was supposed to be tweeting about my Deep Space Nine watch slash watch, and then was called out because I was tweeting about all my next gen. And they're like, I thought you were watching Deep Space Nine. I'm like, well, I have to prepare for Earl Grey. <laughs> so, yes, I will get back to Deep Space Nine once I, you know. Once school settles down a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but my favorite place is to hang out in the Babel Conference because it's just a really nice place to be there. And that's where all of our listeners are. So, And Justin... Where can people contact you when you're not arguing with Captain Picard over the fate of a planet's population? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I'm considering going into the holodeck to uh, role play as Nikolai Rojenko in Homeward, and then I can have that argument out with him <laughs> and be the hero of the day. Yay! So when I'm not doing that, or maybe inventing the holodeck, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek, uh, tweeting out my season six rewatch of The Next Generation currently. And there's tons of other Trek stuff that I tweet about. Actually, my rewatch is a small percentage. But you can find me there. I'm quite active. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers. They are Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Five card stud, nothing wild, and the sky's the limit. Today is a good day to die! Oh, my voice cracked. <laughs>